Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded uh, once again at various locations uh, in Maine in this instance and New York, and we're going to be absent one of our co-hosts tonight. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, uh, PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And um, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, usually our, our our podcast pro- producer, Kate Fitzsimmons, would, would chime in, but she's not going to be with us uh, tonight. Uh, but you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher, and on social media. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And I believe you can also find us on Tumblr at, at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com, which is, I believe, what Kate says. Yes. <laughs> and you can also leave us a rating of some sort, uh, of a thumbs up or, you know, hopefully a thumbs up or, you know, a numerical yeah. or rating or a comment or something. If you give us some feedback on one of our many platforms, it really helps us out. And, of course, we love to hear from our listeners. Come on, it's a message in a bottle, but you know what? We'll find it. Come on, talk to us. All right, this week on More to Come, Mad Cave acquires paper cuts. Uh, periodical woes, right sales are up. Um, FlameCon is back. Uh, Discovery disaster and more rumination on the Sandman. All right, so um, Mad Cave. Acquires paper cups. Mad Cave well, is I, coming on strong. Well, I didn't expect to hear that. Did you, Calvin? I was I, I was surprised. I, you put it I, surprised, not surprised. Uh, and I and I can tell you why. Uh, um, uh, I for the reasons obviously that Terry Antier, the founder of Paper Cuts, you know, said, and, and I guess probably said to you as well. Uh, he's getting older. Uh, he's got another company, and I think he's you know he's he he just. As ready, he's built a pretty impressive company. They're pretty groundmaking. They were there before this great world of, uh, you know, uh, uh, kids and YA graphic novels is, existed. Uh, and they were one of the first to really uh, look to that market and, and, and design a list around it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, should also mention the other co-founder, oh, uh, yes. Jim Salakrop. I believe Terry and Jim are, are like partners in yes, Paper Yes, yes, so they're co-founders. But, uh, Yes. Co-founders. Yeah. But they've been around, uh, you know, since the aughts. Uh, and, you know, okay. that was they were well ahead of the of the curve on kids comics. People laughed at them. And, I, you know, I think they kind of got out with it. Wasn't it Geronimo Stilton and like Bayana? I think they did. Oh, Bionicle. yes. I mean, uh, well, it, 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 Geronimo Stilton, uh, the Smurfs. Uh, Lego, came later, but, but, you know, I just that came later. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I Ninjago. guess Jaco was one of the first. That's right, and that which is a, a Lego, Lego Ninja. Yes, a Lego I think it's license. Nin, yes. Ninjago. But uh, and uh, you know, they didn't get a lot of respect when they started out with their kids' comics, and now look uh, who's laughing now. So, yeah. and um, they sold a lot of copies. They did, a and a lot of copies. They did, and they did get you know huge licenses like the Smurfs, and then they do Asterix and Obelix too. Uh, you know what they're doing Asterix now, and they're actually Asterix. Um, uh, had issues around it because of uh, uh, representation and racial representations in it. 
and there were a number of stories done around it, including by PW. But you know what? They have gone back and done some of the things that were suggested. They have uh, redone the additions with context. They brought in Alex Simmons, the uh, writer, uh, an independent publisher himself, a comic writer, uh, who has r- written about uh, the context of how representation works in as- uh, in asterisks uh, to try to you know, let a, a contemporary audience know and understand what they're looking at. So, right. so yes. Well, that's all a thing of the past, though, because they sold it to, to Mad Cave. And, yes. you know, Mad Cave Media is definitely an up-and-comer. I think we've mentioned them here a couple times in the past, you know, six months or so. Um, you know, they've been around a, a while. They've been around about five years. And, yes. you know, I would kind of group them in that pack with, like, Scout Comics and, um, sure, maybe with you know, Vault. maybe where Vault Comics was sure. mm-hmm. and a few other little imprints like that. Um, yeah. And they definitely, you know, source point and mm-hmm. um, so on. I mean, kind of this this I, I don't even want to say mini major, but, you know, like like they're in there, they're publishing periodicals and uh, they're they're trying to make a move. And uh, they Mad Cave is absolutely ready to make a move. They've hired a bunch of people, including uh, Mark Irwin, as their, uh, I believe he's their biz dev guy. Yeah, I you think know, he is. He's yeah. on track record. Uh, mm-hmm. The owner is a fellow named Mark London. I met him at San Diego. There's actually, I have a video interview with him up on oh, YouTube good. on the Comics Beats video, uh, okay. video mm-hmm. channel if you'd like to see him and see what he's all about. He's uh, definitely a guy who um, has ambitions. He's an ambitious guy. He obviously has funding. And, he certainly um, does, yeah. You know, that buying uh, a, a very established publisher like Paper Cuts is a very good, you know, that's instant yeah. market share. And, it's uh, interesting. Go on. I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, no. What were you going to say? Uh, just that, you know, they, uh, they, they, as you mentioned, they launched in 2014, but then they then they also launched a YA-focused uh, um, uh, imprint. They've really always been focused on the book market. Uh, their mm. their their YA imprint is called Maverick. So now basically they've added a middle grade imprint. Uh, so they they've they've kind of they're kind of blossoming. You know the the cliche fast growing really does seem to apply here. Um, yes, absolutely. They really do and, see themselves marching in the tradition of paper cuts, and and uh, they're going to continue the brand. They're going to continue the trademark, uh, and apparently. Um, add more titles and I assume personnel to it too. So go on. Well, as mentioned, you know, the story was broke, broken was, uh, by our colleague. Yes. Uh, Rob Selkowitz. And he pointed out very salient fact is that, you know, paper cuts doesn't just have licenses and, you know, it has done originals as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it also has really great, uh, contracts and it, it, their books are covered in scholastic book fairs. And yes. Yeah. Now, you know, this is not necessarily the money pit that, you know, the money spout that everybody says it is because the books are sold at a huge discount at the at the uh, book fairs. However, you mm. can sell tons and tons and tons of comics. You can sell fa- incredible back, numbers. <laughs> back during the pandemic. The discounts you know. are worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really great relationship to have. So. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, I believe uh, d- that Jim is going to stay on in kind of a consultant role for a while, and then they also hired Rex Ogle to run oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. imprint. And he, as I understand, I think they do have, you know, you know, the, the, these Lego 
brands are among the most popular in the, in the United States and the world. So I, if I'm going to mess them up, you know, I'm not sure if it's Ninjago is back or Bionicle. But anyway, you know, these these Lego brands. Anyway, apparently Ogle has a lot of experience with Lego and with these brands. So, uh-huh. um, you know, natural, uh, natural fit. Yeah, yeah, and um, we're anxious to see how it fits in with. Uh, they, they, it's our, they are going to be moving their operations to Miami, where Mad Cave is based. So, um, right, right, we will uh, take a look at them. And of course, as Terry uh, pointed out, he's not going anywhere. He is also the owner and the publisher of NBM. Uh, mm-hmm. Also groundbreaking in its own way, very early adult publisher of adult graphic novels, European licenses. And uh, it publishes about 12 books a year, and he will continue to run that. And as he said, uh, um, he's getting older, and running two publishing companies was kind of driving me crazy. Yeah, so, I it's certainly understand. It's certainly yeah. understandable. And, you know, Terry's a real pioneer, as you mentioned. He absolutely is. And so. he uh, deserves to, you know, uh, to settle down a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, but, I, I mean, you know, the summer of disruption continues, you know, there's been so much going on uh, in in all of these. I, I let me see. I think I, I want to make sure we're not forgetting any. I mean, of course, there's the ongoing Oni issues uh, that yes, continue. Yes, continue. Yeah. Continue. Uh, and then there was, you know, all the stuff at DC and yeah. you know, Valiant yeah, was, Comics. We we mentioned all this. Right. So this is there was some tapas you know, stuff too, if not. Yeah, tapas, right. So this is a more positive story, but it's, you know, this is definitely the summer of disruption. I mean, we don't really have us know too much about it, but, you know, Bad Idea is just announced they're back. Um, you know, they've kind of went on hiatus, but they are back. And uh, a couple of other things are uh, rumbling out there. So, you know, comics are on the move. Yep. 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 Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, well, you know, one thing that's interesting about Mad Cave is that uh, they do publish uh, periodical format comics. And, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, paper cuts fitting in with them. I mean, paper cuts doesn't, uh, you know, paper cuts is graphic novels only. So oh, yeah, that, yeah. that was mm-hmm. a big, a yeah. big, cause you know, periodicals for kids do, do not work, but, um, our retailer columnist at the beat, Brian Hibbs, very well known and, you know, a, a past guest here on the podcast. Uh, he just wrote his latest column and he gave it a real, uh, he allowed me to give it a, a clickbaity title, but it was dramatic. It's called, uh, I didn't leave floppies. Floppies are leaving me. And he's been alluding to this in the past that, uh, because of Lunar, which is, um, uh, the distributor for DC comics, you know, they kind of have a different discount system yeah. and, uh, the discounts have, are lower. It used to be you got something like a 53% discount. Now you only get a uh, 50% discount. But, or less. Um, or, or, or even less. less. And, and Brian's point is that it's just, you know, he doesn't make any money. He doesn't make any money. Yeah, and it's just basic articles, and argument, the yeah. Are so low. Mm-hmm, yeah. And he really is very, very dark on the, the future of the periodical. And um, that, uh, you know, it's just not profitable to carry. And, you know, people are always like, well, the prices are too high. And, you know, he points out that Frank Miller is publishing imprint is doing right. like a one. A, I think it's a two dollar. It's a dollar or a dollar ninety nine yeah, or I something. Think it might like that. be a dollar ninety nine. And, you know, Mark Miller, I guess only people named Miller are doing this. But uh, he <laughs> is um, did his he's got some publishing thing going on because, you know, yeah. Netflix worked out so well for him. <laughs> and well, our, our, I should put it the other way. Mark and Net, Mark Miller worked out so well for Netflix. Um, anyway, he's doing some kind of one dollar comic 
And uh, Brian points out that uh, comic shops don't make any money. They lose money when they order these really low yeah. um, prices. The numbers don't them. work. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like that, that's, you know, I, I call this the fundamental Busekian uh, hypothesis, which is that, um, you know, comics, the, the, one of the reasons that newsstands comics died and, and that periodical comics are so endangered outside of hobby stores, let's face it, is because they're a very low price point, you they're know? incredibly low price. They're very difficult price. to distribute. Uh, they have a super picky market. Um, <laughs> I mean... Yeah. And but that means, I, that me, means low, uh, low, low cover price means low, low margins. Yeah. But the whole market there screams if you raise the price of it by a penny. They just scream yeah. bloody murder. Yes. Now, I want to say I always get uh, complaints when I run a, a column by Brian. And, you know, I don't agree with a lot of what Brian says, but he's been doing it for a long time. And I certainly respect him and I respect Absolutely. his opinion. And uh, I did notice that a retailer, Ryan Higgins, who owns a shop called the Comic-Con store, uh, which I'm not even sure where it is. It is in California. Anyway, he's quite vocal on Twitter. So he tweeted, I've seen some variation of this topic for months from Brian, and the math just doesn't work. How does a 50% or 46.8% discount make you not break even on the sale? You sell the comic, you make 46.8% profit. I don't understand the math. Uh, <laughs> this graphic novels are the same discount. How is selling a trade and making 50% any different than selling a single issue and making 50%? And then he threw in the, one of those uh, memes of you know people confused by math. Uh, so, so I challenged Ryan, uh, he, he goes on, it takes you the same amount of time to process file and sell one copy of Batman or one copy of some deep catalog indie title. The only real mm. difference is the actual ordering process. But again, you're take, talking literally a few extra minutes across dozens of or titles to order. Anyway, mm. I challenged Ryan to put these thoughts into a more cogent form and he's took the challenge. So uh, I hope next week Good. I'm actually going to run a, uh, rebuttal to Brian from a different retailer and um, say that, you know, or, you know, examine periodical pricing. Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting to read. I mean, I have nothing but respect for Brian. We've had him on the show. Uh, he's a delight, uh, delightful and informative interview. Uh, I don't always follow his arguments because then sometimes it seems as though, I mean, he, he, he it's hard to understand. Is he against floppies or for them? I mean, uh, I mean, the, the issues around floppies, and I'm not saying this out of having a tremendous retailer's understanding of it. Uh, this is like a journalist slash fan trying to make sense of it all. And floppies basically don't make sense in today's market. However, they're very useful, it seems to me, uh, for 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 all kinds of uh, constituents in the market. But but the retailers have the last word on whether this is whether whether they're worth selling. And the uproar that's going on at DC, um, uh, it, it, I mean, it's really just hard to get Brian's arguments all uh, together in your head. I will say this though, the the uh, 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 the entry of PRH into this market, I just think continues to grow. Even he talks about how easy mm. the better discount that they get. Free shipping, free shipping, free shipping. That's mm -hmm. all you hear. Uh, when I talk to retailers, uh, that's what I, I hear from them. They're very happy with it. 
Uh, they do think that some of the other problems uh, that we were talking about earlier on damaged material is being dealt with and has improved. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, PRH also has the, the luxury of what? Distributing only one publishers. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, um, I, there's there's going Marvel. to, you know, New York Comic. Yeah. Yes. And well, they do IDW as well. So, oh, that's right. You know, it's my bad. That's they right. Are. It's, it's, it's and right. there and, is. There's and then rumors lunar. of uh, yeah. So there's then there's lunar. lunar. So there's three distributors. So you know we live in a multi-distributor uh, world now, and uh, you know the periodical is a hobby. Is a is a hobby. It's a collectible, okay? And that's mm-hmm. fine. I, I mean, and people do enjoy going to the comic shop and reading. You know, going every Wednesday, getting the comic or Tuesday for DC. Um, you know, I think it's a lifestyle choice. I, and a I lot agree. of people. And I think a lot of people who uh, to choose that lifestyle later get them in trades for, you know, and, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with the comic book remaining a, a collectible. Um, everything no. else is a collectible. So. But I think the retailers have to kind of scale their orders and the, what they order in a different way, perhaps they did in the past. I mean, in his article, he talks about that a little bit. I mean, the, the kind of economic market that the single distributor, the monopoly distributor used to have, kind of doesn't exist anymore. Uh, he complains a lot, if, if if I'm not mistaken, about, well, the, you know, they're not giving me credit over, uh, you know, my discount based on all of these purchases that I do across this whole range of titles. It's just what I buy from them. So yeah. it's not going to be as big. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, I, I look forward to seeing other thoughts on this because yes. um, I think there's a lot of there are a lot of retailers who are very disillusioned. And, you know, we'll get to some talk about D.C. a little further on, which I understand. But, uh, you know, just changing topics here a little bit. Uh, we were sent a list from Publishers Marketplace. Sorry, it is a competitor of Publishers Weekly. But they ran a chart of how many graphic novel deals had been listed year by year. And in 2001, there was one. In 2002, there was two. But it changed after that. In 2003, there was four. Well, all the way up to 2021, when there was 229. So by my reckoning, that is a 22,900% increase. Um <laughs> And this year already, there's 148, and we're in August. So, yes. you know, probably we'll be down this year. But uh, still, uh, that's pretty healthy. Guess what? Comics are going nowhere. Yes, absolutely. You know, well, they, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, we're, 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 we are in uh, an incredible renaissance in interesting comics, in how we think about comics, uh, in the, the, the genres that are available, new artists, new fans. Um, uh I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, the, the problems that retailers are having, and they retailers are always facing challenges, mm-hmm, yes. uh, are taking place amid this incredible, like, transformation in the marketplace. So, hopefully, there are going to be new pathways to profitability Absolutely. Uh, opening up. And I, and I look forward to hearing a lot more about this at New York Comic Con and yes. also uh, in, at the Diamond Retailer Summit, which is going to be held at the end of October, which I can't wait. I can't wait to see what goes on there. All right. <laughs> Sounds three good years. to me. All right. Well, so, Calvin, you went on an outing. I did. Um, you know what? I, I haven't been traveling much, but I can always hop on the subway and go to a, an event in New York City and 
FlameCon, New York City's awesome LGBTQ plus uh, uh, comics and pop culture convention was back in person uh, at the Sheraton Times Square uh, up on that what on Seventh Avenue and Fifty Third. Uh, it was a good crowd out. It was all there were really long lines to get in. Now, oh, now really? that's wow. Well, I will say this: that, uh, it, it wasn't actually overcrowded inside. They were very meticulous and methodical about checking vaccinations and masking. So while the lines were really long, they actually moved pretty slow because they let you in in a batch. And then they really checked your vaccines, made sure you had a mask on and let you in. So Mm -hmm. uh, once I got in and I got in probably about uh, about two thirty or so on Saturday. It was a good crowd inside. It wasn't overcrowded by any means, but lots of people on the floor. Uh, great programming going on as well. I actually missed. Uh, I was there for the. I really wanted to go to the Howard Cruz, um, a panel. Um, uh, a, 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 I think a tribute to him. Uh, but I got there too late for the hat. But I was lucky enough to bump into Liz Francis, who is the the founder of Street Noise Books, who has put together a fabulous publishing list based on graphic memoir. And um, so she had a bunch of her artists there, or she had one of her artists there, uh, a Lambda Award winning Elizabeth Trimbley, who has who is really a prose writer who has done her first graphic novel, did the drawing, too. Uh, she has, you know, she has a kind of a, a developing art style, but it's a powerful art style. And this uh, memoir that she wrote, which is called Look Again, got a start review in PW. Uh, and it's it's about her finding a body strung up in the woods when she wow. was a teenager. And it spirals out into a variety of narratives about her life and dealing with homophobia, dealing with uh, her, you know, coming out. I mean, it's really kind of a really a powerful book. So she is an, uh, someone to keep a uh, talented writer who has moved into uh, the realm of graphic memoir. Anyway, so she had a great table, a bunch of her great uh, books there. Uh, talked to Amy Reader, uh, who uh, Rocket Girl. Uh, wow, she's done so many great books, a fabulous illustrator, comics, uh, comics artist. So she was there. Uh, gave me a peace sign. There's some photos up on PW Picks. <laughs> nice, and, nice. Uh, so it was a great return um, uh, for FlameCon, and um, you know I enjoyed it, loved it. You know, it's a yeah, it's a great you know uh, local con. It is, and I'm I'm very bummed I didn't get to go, but uh, you know I'm up here in Maine. I'm actually taking some time in Maine. I'm up here for two whole weeks, which I never go anywhere ever for two weeks. So this is like a real. <laughs> You know, like, uh, sure. let's see if I, well, unfortunately, I have to work the whole time. But, you know, hey, I'm in Maine. It's pretty cool. You know, I wouldn't have this on our story list, but I just wanted to mention sure. an event, uh, the the Wink Creative Conference, which was held just oh, before yes. I went away. And, you know, sure. uh, this you know, was put together by uh, Regine Sawyer of. Uh, this is Wink, Women in Comics, is, the Women in Comics Collective. Yes, the Women in Commerce Collective. And, you know, Regine works so hard, Calvin. And yes, this event was held at the Stavros Niarchos Foundation Library, which is a library that's like right across the street from the Big Lion Library. They've been mm-hmm. renovating this library for years. And let me tell you, it is breathtaking. Wow. They had like a room, on, you know, they have like a, a panel room at the top. They have a, a terrace they have a little cafe. I mean, this event. Now, I will say it was not well attended. I don't think it got um, 
I don't think it got as much attention as it should have, you know, uh-huh. but it had like a lot of really great people. I mean, I just caught up with folks, you know, like Carol Burrell and Alicia sure, Martinez sure. Mm-hmm. and, you know, just saw friends and, and, you know, met some new friends. And, uh, you know, Regine is really one of the hardest working people. She puts on these fantastic events. Uh, she does not get enough credit for it. But uh, this was a really fantastic location. And I hope she's able to do it again, because let me tell you, this could be, uh, you know, TCAF for New York. Sure. Oh, OK. That's interesting to hear. OK. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and what's yeah, it called again? Because I oh, have it's called posted. The Wink, go on. I'm sorry. Go on. The Wink Creative Conference. Yes. Wink Creative Conference. Well, I have yeah. posted uh, other events because I couldn't agree with you more. Regine Sawyer is a, 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 a really a, a fireball of activity and productivity. Uh, I have done links to some of the um, the, the uh, panel discussions and programs that they put on online uh, in the in my newsletter. I missed this one, uh, but yeah. um, you know uh, that's something for everybody to take. I should say also a lot of the stuff that they do, if there's an online component, they archive it. So uh, mm-hmm. I think the membership is really cheap. If you really want to see some of this stuff or see their archive, uh, yeah. go join. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of really great stuff. But yeah, but, you know, we're lucky. We are lucky to live in New York and have events like FlameCon and Wink mm-hmm. and really great, the, you know, great, you know yep. kudos to the FlameCon crew. I mean, they also work yes. really hard. Yeah, Ge- that's Geeked together. Out, right? The organizers. Yes, is a... Geeks Out. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, props to them for putting on these really great events. So, well, the opposite of great is David Zaslov, uh, oh, the man. head of Discovery. And uh, I think somebody tweeted, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, you know, uh, David Zaslov is great. He has brought a divided nation together in hating him. Just <laughs> like go. in Watchmen, a show that will soon be unavailable to watch in HBO. So, oh, you know, geez. I can't even, I can't even. Um, you got to be kidding you know, me. I mean, basically... Uh, if we talked about how Batgirl was been buried because of a tax, you know, so they wouldn't have to pay taxes on it, which just yeah, it's just it's ruthless. It's stupid. It's ruthless. It's like in you the know fans the fans are waiting for it. Yes, and then they said they had some screenings on the lot that they called funeral screenings, just so the people who worked in the movie could see it, which to me almost sounds like more torture. They're like, well, we don't know if they're going to destroy every copy of it or not afterwards maybe but oh, probably not my, probably yeah, not probably not yeah but you know then they also like took all these shows off of hbo max um they put this batman show that his name i i can't i can't even find everything that's going on it's just been so much uh that that you know ed brubaker is involved with and bruce tim is involved with and you know they uh. put that like they're not going to show that on hbo max they're going to put it on uh, they're trying to shop it to some other streamer, you know, because they have what? to get that seven-day fiancé universe up and running, I guess. This but, is uh, crazy. This, these are the top creators. I mean, it's like, you know, content is king, my man. Content is king. Well, the good news, just just as we went, just as we sat down to do this podcast, uh, I was alerted to uh, breaking news, uh, just, yeah. you know, as we're doing this, that uh, in the Hollywood Reporter by Boris Kitt, whose coverage of this is uh, always stellar. Uh, DC's Kevin Feige found producer Dan Lin in talks to take control of film and TV yeah. for superhero arm. So, yeah, there is talk that, you know, the the, the, the elusive Kevin Feige for DC huh. uh, is Dan Lin, who is a very accomplished producer. Uh-huh. Uh, he made a lad in the Lego movie, It. 
mm-hmm. uh, the two it movies. He's also got done a lot of TV. He did like the the uh, the, the Lethal Weapon, Walker Texas Ranger reboot. Anyway, uh-huh. the guy has some very good bona fides. Um, and you know, at this point, it's just please put someone in charge uh, because otherwise they're going to destroy it. Either well, that's destroy yeah. It. Oh, oh, I forgot. I forgot the other part is that they pushed Aquaman back to De- Aquaman two back to December. 2023 because it needs more time for the special effects it doesn't need a year and four it doesn't need um <laughs> 16 months for the special effects i mean jeepers geez willikers i almost had to to swear there because kate's not editing this so it wouldn't have been left in but gee <laughs> willikers, uh well, you don't need 16 months to do so you know what is it's just a disaster well, that story. was one of their winners so there's um yeah i don't yeah. know I, oh, and then Boris no. Kit tweeted. He tweeted that the reason they pushed it back is that they only have enough money to release two more movies this year. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, I hope this Dan Lin story is correct because, and you know, this would mean that Walter Hamada would leave. But um, you know, please get somebody in there who cares because otherwise, with all this cutting that they're doing, and so much of it is for. You know, really horrible reasons like, yeah. um, you know, oh, so they don't have to pay royalties. And, you know, and also it's they're they're letting go of all of the there's another story out that they are looking to appeal to middle America. And they're laying off all the people who are not white men. And it's really disturbing. Oh, um, you know, yeah. Dan Lin is Asian. So that's a one good thing. And it says Alan Horn likes him. So Alan Horn is uh, please listen to Alan Horn, David Zaslav. If you do one thing, please listen to Alan Horn. At least he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now, so, and you know, my, I mean, just my fear in all this is these cuts are so draconian and cruel that you know how will DC Comics survive all? Well, of that's what, I mean, and you. They. I just wonder. It, it, this is this this is the market, or this is and certainly this is the the platform that created. The, the, you know the sensibility that you're trying to reach here and boy it's very frightening to wonder what is in store for dc comics yes it is because the the, is. the the owners it's it's parent company seems to be completely out of touch with the sensibility that they've got to platform here and it's really frightening yeah it is i mean it's it's even it, 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 they just seem to be out of touch with the meaning of content <laughs> I mean, the do they see what's head. happening on on Netflix with with Sandman? I mean, well, I mean, speaking of which, I mean, just very quickly, I last episode, Kate and Calvin talked about how they'd watch Sandman and they loved it, and I've watched the first two episodes and I I love it a lot. Also, it's so true to the comic and you know super really well cast, <laughs> beautifully done. It's really entertaining. I haven't had time to watch it here. But um, I'm fully intent to start catching up on it more. And you know, Neil, it is the hottest show on yeah. Netflix uh, by all the weird metrics that they use. And um, uh, Neil Gaiman, creator of Sandman, has been on social media begging people to watch it because he says he doesn't know if it's going to get re- renewed. And Good um, Lord. he's also going online talking about how many books how many people are going to get the books mm-hmm. because they're 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 transfixed by the tv show right well you know uh i'm live here on the podcast i haven't been looking at 
uh, oh, they moved it all around. I was going to try to look at the bestsellers, but they moved it around, so I can't find it easily. Oh, here we go. Trending bestsellers. Well, Let's Neil see and I- Colleen Duran uh, were, were on Twitter this week. Uh, trolls were talking about it. You know, it does, you know, for whatever. There, there's always someone that's denying reality out there. Yeah. Uh, so Neil chimed in to say that the sales were just, I, I'm paraphrasing. Well, I'm looking. Just explode. Yeah. Well, I'm looking on Amazon's bestsellers in comics and graphic novels, and the best seller is uh, in comics and graphic novels is an audio book, uh, The Sandman. So not quite on on trend on brand there. Uh, it's not a comic; it's an audio book. But okay, uh, number two, The Boy, The Wall, The Fox, and The Horse. Uh, she Hulk that just launched. That's number three. Number four, <laughs> Sandman Book One. No surprise there. Uh, right. You know, you can always just do a little snapshot of where these things are it says right now it is number 161 in books not car graphic novels in books in uh, books in, in, yeah, yeah. So, among yes, all that, books yeah yeah so it's selling quite briskly yeah. so yeah uh neil is undoubtedly correct yeah then uh what else uh, is in here yeah sandman well, there's quite a few sandman graphic novels in here uh on this bestseller list and also uh dave pilkey so okay. yes well as always so yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, and you know we had I ran a nice little piece that uh, Martha Thomas had had written and uh, about Sandman and you know Martha is friend of the podcast and she is a uh, you know she was the original publicist on Sandman yeah. and she, she pretty much invented publicity for comics I yeah, mean she really it, got yeah. those mm-hmm. stories about Sandman and you know some of the early great uh, books that DC was doing um, you know the mainstream coverage that they got and anyway she really liked the show and i think what we were saying last week is really remarkable is that it's kind of rare to see so many people who were involved with something as beloved as sandman like you know i mean of course they're gonna say oh yeah it was really good i loved it but uh you know they really did love it they're not just saying yes that. no you know and like i said i i i am now reading the the the, the earliest issues i kind of tuned into sandman later and fell in love with it, you know, through a, yet another way. And so I actually had not read the really earliest issue. So I had a chance to read that and, and to sit through the TV show, which really has been fun. Oh, it's that, just been fun. Sounds, that sounds delightful. Sounds really fun. Uh, so, yeah. So please, please keep DC Comics going. Ugh. Yes. You know, Netflix, please renew Sandman. Please. We're begging you. Yeah, yeah. What she said. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, Kate is not here. And Kate, I hope you're feeling better. She's, yes, feel better. She's a bit Kate. under the weather. Yeah. Uh, so, Calvin, you're going to have to do the briefs. All right. I got a couple of briefs here. And the first one is a, a new local uh, bookstore focus up there, a comics festival called Uptown Comics Fest. It's, or, it's organized by Word Up Bookstore, a, just a great bookstore. Uh, in Washington Heights. If you haven't been there, you should. If you live in a neighborhood, you already know what it is. It started as a pop-up bookstore. I, I forget how many years ago. Uh, the, uh, and it, the, the neighborhood loved it so much that they just made made it so that it would stay there. So they have, um, uh, they put together this under the, under uh, Veronica Liu, who's uh, one of the founders of the store and just an all-around great person, <laughs> and a uh, book editor as well as a, a uh, bookseller. Um, they have put together a, uh, a comics festival uh, 
for September 17th and 18th. Now, now, now September 17th is for uh, is basically for uh, adults, uh, mm-hmm. and, and um, uh, it goes from 4 to 8 p.m. and it's going to be at 876 Riverside Drive. And I'll tell you why. This is a pop-up um, satellite location for Word Up, and it's based around this guy Tom Burgess, who I think died in 2021. He was a he he was a hoarder, but he was a high level hoarder. Oh, he, a high level hoarder. He, I mean, in the sense that he had amazing books, and he kind of had a personal philosophy of books and then and getting books to people who needed them. But in the process, of course, turned his apartment into, you know, almost a reality TV show site for books, <laughs> uh, because he really, it really was overkill. Uh, but he, you know, it, it, you know, it was like books everywhere. His bed was surrounded by books. I mean, it was just the oven. You couldn't use the stove because it was books were stacked in the in the oven. I mean, it was what's like, what's strange about that? Uh, there you go. <laughs> Once you can't cook, then you're certifiable. In any event, uh, this place he had a he had a uh, he kind of had a a, uh, a philosophy that he called recirculation. So this pop up space is called recirculation. So part of the festival will be at um, uh, at 876 Riverside um, on 917, but then uh, on uh, 918 at Inwood Park, Inwood Hill Park uh, in Washington Heights. That will be the All Ages Festival will be there. Uh, that's going to go on from 12 to 4 p.m. Uh, check it out. Go online, word up, wordupbookstore.com. Uh, but really, uh, it's a great bookstore. We need all of, they're going to have a lot. They haven't quite announced all of the people that are going to be involved, but check it out. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I talk good. too much, but I love that bookstore. I really do, and they deserve all the support they can well, get. Well, more cool events coming to New York. Awesome. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Uh, and I want to point everybody to publishersweekly.com slash comics. This is our annual comics and gaming feature uh, written by uh, Nicole, uh, Nicole Audrey Spector. Um, basically, what it looks like is the continuing crossover and intensification between tabletop gaming, comics, and book publishing. So she talks to people like Aconite. Uh, the publishing house Aconite that uh, is actually owned by aren't, aren't they a division of Embracer Group, which owns I believe so, yes. Dark Horse uh, and also now J.R.R. Tolkien's media rights. Yeah. Oh, really? So there you go. So really, this is about tabletop gaming. How much is growing? How ind- independent comics publishers are cashing in on it? Actually, there's there's quite a bit of uh, quotations from Oni Press's Steve Ellis, uh, who ha- who remains with the company. And actually returned our emails when we were trying to. We did a lot of the interviews before all of the, uh, you know, the controversy and departures there. So we checked back in. He's still there and doing his thing. So check it out. Um, uh, it's it's an interesting look at how Kickstarter is almost the bedrock of this of this particular part of uh, sector uh, because you can raise so much money for tabletop gaming. But haven't they, uh, you know, hasn't they like launched the, you know, in the, the wake of the whole blockchain fiasco, didn't they launch like game game funder or game crowder or something like that? They like, they like, may have, I'm not up to speed on it. So yeah. um, that's, we'll have to return yeah. to that another time. Yeah. Yeah. That indeed. And also I want to point out uh, a story about um, a book that I love. Hold on a second. Where is it? 
this is a story on went to the wrong place. It's a story about it's a, a lady. Story. This is on Nerdist. Uh, they do an interview with Kate Gavino, who is the author of A Career in Books, an absolutely delightful, uh, savvy, slyly produced uh, book about uh, three young Asian-American women determined to work in book publishing and what they have to put up to go through with it and how they kind of discovered this. Uh, I'm almost a literary matriarch, matriarchal figure that inspires them and that they kind of work together to bring back to the public interesting. It's a delightful book. It's spot on. We talk about it, and we being me and Meg in Stargazing. So uh, just something to check out. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great All book. All right. And if, if, you hear, if you're interested about the New York book publishing um, industry, you'll learn a lot while you laugh a lot. Uh, a career in books. I should read yeah. this. Uh, Check it out. Find out about it. Yeah. All, right. About it. So, all right. Well, cool. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's all we have uh, for this week. And, uh, you know, next time we'll be all back together in uh, one place, I hope. I hope yeah. Kate is feeling better. We're all yeah. well. And, um, you know, we'll be getting ready for New York Comic Con. So we're just going to start true. talking about the toilets. That is the next thing. So uh, be, be ready. Be ready. Uh, but as always, Calvin, there until next time, there will be more to come. come. <laughs> we're missing one of our voices, but yeah, there you go. We, we tried. We Talk tried. to you next week. See ya.